We're in a series called The One True God, and if we're going to know Him as the one true God, then we need to know Him as the Sovereign Lord. The phrase Sovereign Lord is found 297 times in the New International Version. In the King James or New King James, it just translates it as Lord God, but you need to know that that title here, Lord, it's not just talking about the name God, but it is talking about the supreme ruler. And so when you see that as Lord God in the New King James or the King James, that's what it's talking about is the supreme ruler, the sovereign Lord. And we see this principle throughout Scripture in such a powerful way. But sovereign just means supreme ruler. That's who our God is. And he rules and reigns over all. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 47 and 8 says, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The scripture says several times in the Psalms that the Lord reigns. He is the sovereign Lord. He has absolute authority and power over the universe. He is independent from the control of anything or anybody else. He is above all else, and he rules over all creation. The sovereign Lord rules. Psalm 66 and 7 says he rules by his power forever. But you know, he has the power to back it up to back up his authority, and he rules by power. Now, it's kind of interesting to me, if you think about that he rules the physical world by the laws of physics. You know, when something happens that defies the laws of physics, we call that a miracle. And we serve a miracle-working God. He can supersede the laws of physics at any time that he desires. And when we pray, oftentimes that's what we're asking for is a miracle. You know, God can make the sun stand still in the sky. He did it before. He can do it again. He can do anything because, listen, the laws of physics, he's the one that made them and he can overrule them. Listen, when it comes to the animal kingdom, God rules by instinct. It's amazing how God has put instincts into the smallest of creatures to the biggest of beasts that they are able to, they know what they're supposed to do, not know like we know things, but they, they by instinct do what they're supposed to do. Birds can migrate thousands of miles and they, they go to the same place every year. They don't even have GPS. I mean... They're way better navigators than we are. You know what I'm saying? They they just automatically, it's instinct. They know how to get there. They know how to take care of their young. I mean, dumb animals, when they give birth, they know how to take care of their young, sometimes better than humans do, right? It's amazing how that they can do that. But God rules the animal kingdom by instinct. Please, Don't think that, you know, what you see on TV is real, that animals talk and think just like people, although there is a time in the Bible when God made a donkey talk because a man wouldn't listen. (laughs) He can do that, but you see, he rules the animal world by instinct. 
But God rules man by authority. He's given man a free will. And you see this from Genesis to Revelation, that God gives man a choice. Even from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a choice. They could obey God or they could disobey God. They had a choice. And so it has always been. Every one of us, we have a choice about what we do. Whether we obey God, whether we serve God, whether we live for God, we have a choice. You had a choice about coming to church this morning. Somebody saying, no, she made me come. (laughs) We all have a choice. Amen. All all the days of our life, every day, we make choices all day long. But God gave us a free will, and yet he rules man by authority. It's our choice to submit to him, to make him our Lord, to obey him, to serve him. He could have made us just some kind of weird little robots that we just automatically did whatever he wanted. He could have made us that way. He could have made us where we just worshipped him for all eternity with no choice whatsoever, with just what we were made, forced to do. But he didn't do that. No, he wants us to choose to love him, to choose to serve him, to choose to worship him, to choose to believe in him. Now, it's really interesting. He tells us, you know, or he gives us a choice, but he tells us to choose, but sometimes he even makes it clear what, which way to choose, right? I like this in Deuteronomy 30 and 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I mean, how dumb do you got to be to not get that right? When he tells you the answer, choose life. But, you know, it may not always be quite that obvious, but so often throughout the Word of God, He does make it obvious in one way or another. He does tell us what to choose if we'll just listen, if we'll just heed His voice and heed His Word. But we have to choose to make Him our Lord, our Master, our Ruler. It is our choice It's also so often man's choice, man's choices that bring heartache and destruction into our world. Ever since the fall in the garden that brought sickness and toil and death into the world, ever since then, our choices, the, the wrong choices of man, that's why there's so much heartache and trouble in this world. That's why there's so many problems. Listen, it is because of man's wrong choices, the free will that God has given us. But he has given us that free will to choose, to choose whether or not he is our sovereign personally whether or not he reigns over us. His kingdom, his kingdom is not of this world. Now, there's some believers today that are really mixed up about this. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is where he rules and reigns. And where does Jesus rule and reign right now? He rules and reigns in our hearts. It's Luke 17, 20 and 21. He said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. It is not an outward kingdom. He said, for for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. 
That's where Jesus rules and reigns right now in man. It's in our heart. The kingdom, where the king rules, is in your heart. It's in your life. It's within you. We invite him to be king in our life. And we invite his king, his his kingdom, and his will to be done in this earth. Jesus taught us to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not automatic. It's something that his people are supposed to pray and to invite him to come and to reign in our lives and in this world. But wherever he reigns, I'll tell you, there is... The Bible says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where he reigns, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's freedom. We want him to reign over us. Some people, that that whole concept that he would reign over us, they say, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm my own man. Oh, I want him to reign in my life. It is so good to allow Jesus to be your king to be under his kingdom and part of what he's doing in the world today. But some people twist God's sovereignty into a way to keep others out of the kingdom. It reminds me of the attitude of the Pharisees and how Jesus just flat told them, he said, you're keeping people out of the kingdom. In fact, he told them the tax collectors and prostitutes were going into the kingdom before them because of their religious attitude and mindset. But one of those attitudes, it's actually just a false doctrine, is that they say that because God is sovereign, He's already chosen who can be saved. I don't even know how they get there. What a crazy extrapolation from the Word of God. The Bible never says any such thing. Sovereign means ruler. And He absolutely rules, listen, however He wants to. No, God's sovereignty doesn't mean that you can't be saved. Only certain ones. He's already picked and you're not it. Too bad for you. No, what I see over and over and over in the scripture is whosoever, whosoever will. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Whoever believes. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness. Some people think, why don't God just hurry up? Well, here's why. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It said He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's His perfect will. He, He wills that everybody would come, that everybody would repent and find life. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's for whoever, whosoever. Now some, then they'll go the step further and they'll say, oh, but you know, God only gives certain people faith so they can't believe. Wow. What kind of warped, twisted idea is that. So it's for whosoever, but you can't choose. Why did Jesus command and say, have faith in God? 
Why did Jesus command us? This is the great command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. He doesn't command us to do things that we can't do. No. We have a choice. It's up to us to believe. It's up to us to choose to obey. It's up to us to choose to serve the Lord every day. It's up to us to submit ourselves, to bow our knee to our King Jesus and allow Him to rule and reign over us every day of our life. But He's given us that free will to choose the supreme ruler of the universe. He can rule any way that He wants to. But he has chosen to give man a free will. I heard someone say one time that if God is sovereign, then he's responsible for all the evil in this world. I just, I just want to be mean about that and just say, of all the dumb, short-sighted hogwash. But... I shouldn't because they're so deceived. No, it is the free will of man from the Garden of Eden until now that has brought all of this trouble and heartache into this world. It is the work of Satan. And it listen, the Bible says that... The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That's why we have so much heartache and trouble in this world. It's not because God is ruling and reigning in our lives. No, we need his kingdom to come. Jesus said to pray, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to tell you in heaven, there's no... no, heartache and trouble and sickness and sin and strife and bondage. None of that is in heaven. No, that's all from man's choice. But there's another error that's being taught by some today that God has no control because he's turned it all over to man. And they base that principle, that teaching on the fact that God told us in the garden to take dominion and rule over the earth. And and then they say, so God's hands are tied. That's not in the Bible. Don't say things about God that aren't in the scripture. Always say what is right about the Lord. And how can you do that? You say what the Bible says. The Bible never says God is not in control. The Bible never says that God's hands are tied. In fact, here's what the Bible says. Psalm 135, 5 and 6, For I know that the Lord is great and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and earth. He does whatever He wants. He is the absolute ruler. And yes, He has decided to rule this way in this time that man has a free will. And it is our choice to believe, to obey, to love him, but he does whatever he pleases. Sometimes people think they can do whatever they please. Mm. You find out sooner or later you can't. 
It's just a simple thing. You know, just, well, you know what? I can drive 90 miles an hour if I want to. Well, not for very long. You're going to find out there's a higher authority. And somebody's going to put you in your place. But one way or another, we, we can't really do what we please. Nobody, ever, nobody married ever said that. Right? No, we can't do what we please. But God can. He answers to no one. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. There's no higher authority than the Lord. He does whatever He wants. Psalm 115 verse 3, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. People try to put God in a little box and say, you know, that this is the way He is and He he can do this, but He can't do that and He can't do that. Listen, I've only found one thing in the Bible that says God can't do. He cannot lie. But I don't even understand the idea of carnal man that wants to try to put God in a box and say he can and can't do this. He's the supreme ruler of the universe. He does whatever he pleases. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. I know sometimes we, God does whatever he pleases. Why don't he do something about my situation? Well, first of all, we need to remember that the sovereign ruler of the universe does whatever he pleases, not necessarily what pleases us. And that is really, you know, well, people get really disillusioned by that because they've bought into the pop theology of the day that it's all about me and what I want. And they see the gospel and the Christian faith as just another way to get what they want. I want to tell you right now, it's really all about him. Because God is sovereign. Nobody can stop him. Nobody can stop his plan. Isaiah 14, 24, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. See, God doesn't think idle thoughts. He doesn't daydream like we do. What he thinks is going to come to pass. And what he purposes, it shall stand. In verse 27, it says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? Nobody's going to stop it. His hand is outstretched or stretched out, and who will turn it back? Nobody. See, when God has a purpose, he is able to fulfill it, to bring it to pass, because he is sovereign. He gives us a free will, and we need to know this, that even though we have a free will, there are things that God is going to do whether we're on board or not, he is able to fulfill his plan and his purpose and nobody can stop it. No devil, no wicked man, nobody can stop it. Here's one of the things that I know that God is going to do. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for 2,000 years, Satan has thrown everything he could against the church to try to stop it and slow it down. All kinds of persecution, all kinds of corruption from within, all kinds of religious doctrines that took over and and caused problems in the church. But the church just keeps going. The church keeps growing. God is still using His church in the earth today. It is being fulfilled. Nobody can stop it. 
I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. There is a doctrine right now that is so prevalent in America, in the church in America, and it is Satan's latest and greatest attempt to try to weaken the church, and that is that the church is not important. A lot of Christians think that the church is just not a big deal. You know, it's me and Jesus. That is not what the Bible teaches. We are all part of the body of Christ. We are a family of God. We can't say, the Bible says, I don't need you. We all need one another. And we need to realize how important the church is. Jesus is building his church. What are you doing? We need to be a part of that, that Jesus is building his church. This is how he has chosen to move and to work in this world it's in and through his church. Don't believe the lies of Satan, but I'm telling you that he will fulfill what he said. He will one day make his enemies his footstool. There's nothing they can do about it. He's going to put his foot on them. He will establish an eternal kingdom. It will happen. We will see it. There are things that God is going to do and no devil, no man is ever going to be able to stop him. But you know what? It's not just about in the sweet by and by. It's not just about those maybe really, really big things. It's also true in our lives that there are things that God has planned and purposed for us and nobody else can stop it. Read the story about Joseph. It's a long story. I'm not going to read it this morning. I'm just going to talk our way through it just a little bit. But this young man, Joseph, God gave him two dreams to show him how that he was going to raise him up into a position of great authority. Gave Joseph vision of what God would one day do in his life. Now Joseph, I guess, being young and immature, he blabbed it to his brothers who already hated him. And now they just hated him all the more. By the way, you're not always supposed to tell everything you know. Sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. But Joseph tells his brothers and they sold him into slavery. You think you got family problems? This is wicked. This is awful. This this really actually happened that these men took their brother and sold him to some slave traders. Wicked, wicked men. I mean, God's got a plan and a purpose for this young man. But now, he's been sold as a slave. He's not being promoted in some position of authority. He's been sold as a slave. He becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. And because of Joseph and the Lord's blessing on Joseph's life, Potiphar's household is blessed. But Potiphar's wife wants her way with this young man. And because he refused her, she accuses him. She falsely accuses him of trying to rape her. And and they have him put in prison. Wicked, wicked people. Look what these awful people are doing. Why doesn't God do anything? We think the same way in our life. You've got a mean boss. You got some teacher that's not treating you right. Wicked people do terrible things in this world all the time. Twelve years go by. Joseph as a slave. 
and then as a convict in prison. And then one day, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and he is taken from the prison and promoted to the palace where he is second. He answers only to Pharaoh. He is over all of Egypt. And God uses him to feed the whole known world during a famine. Not only is Egypt saved, but Joseph's family is saved through the famine. Joseph is put in that position that God had showed him years and years ago. Not because of the help of man, but in spite of man. He did what he said that he would do in Joseph's life. Then after their father had died, Joseph's brothers were just sure that he would seek vengeance on them. But here's what Joseph said in Genesis 50 and 20. He tells his brothers, he says, You meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that God caused these bad things to happen. God certainly did, did not inspire his brothers to do evil. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. That's what the Bible says. But God turned it for good. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. And he used it to get Joseph to that place. Now, I know that God rules over everything. Couldn't God have just taken that young teenage boy and just stuck him up? God can do whatever he pleases. But I suspect that that young man, Joseph, was not ready. I suspect that if God would have done it that way, he would have been so full of pride, he wouldn't have been able to be used by God at all. But during those 12 long years that God prepared his heart and shaped and formed his character to where he was a compassionate man and a great leader. So you see, sometimes we just try to put God in our little box and say, why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? He is the sovereign Lord of the universe and you need to trust Him. You need to realize that He knows better than we do. And He's trustworthy. But always remember that He can do absolutely anything. And the schemes of Satan and the actions of evil man cannot derail the plans and purposes of the sovereign Lord. When our lives are submitted to Him, Nothing is going to stop his plan. But we need to always remember the sovereign Lord can do anything. Isaiah 46, 10 and 11 says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east. The man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I also will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. You see, God can do anything. He can talk through a donkey. He can call a bird of prey from the east. He can take a man or woman and send them to a place that they've never heard of before. A lot of people don't understand the the sovereignty of God and how mighty and awesome He is. And they say, oh, well, those people on that desert, that, that island that... 
has never had any contact with the gospel. Well, it would be unfair for God to send them to hell because they've never heard about Jesus. I want you to know that if they're ready to receive the gospel, it's not hard for God to send a man to that place. He'll cause, he'll cause a ship to go off course and go to the wrong place. Whatever it takes, it's not hard for the sovereign Lord. Amen. He can do anything. He can always raise somebody up. He can always find somebody. Let me tell you, in Esther chapter 4, I'm not going to read much of this story, but in Esther chapter 4, when God's people were being accused and their lives were in danger... Esther, as the queen, has the opportunity to go before the king and to plead their case. The problem is, is that if she's not summoned to come before the king, she could be put to death if she displeases him. And so she is afraid to go, but her uncle Mordecai, this is what he tells her in Esther 4, 13 and 14. Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. It's amazing, you see. Sometimes people get the idea that they're all that. God is well able to bring deliverance from another place, to raise somebody else up. You see, when it comes time and we have the opportunity to choose to obey God and to serve the Lord, to do what God has asked of us, oh, it is to our benefit. Mordecai, he he tells her plainly, there'll be deliverance that will come another way, but not for you and your house. It's our privilege to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and do what He asks us to do. But our sovereign God, His will ultimately will prevail. It's just up to us if we decide that His will is going to be done in our lives. You know, sometimes in this crazy world, it seems like it's just out of control. All of the wicked things and terrible things is going on in our world. But we need to realize the sovereign Lord Ultimately, he is still in control. It may not look like it sometimes. And many times, you know, things happen in life and we we just feel like life is unfair. And sometimes that translates into we think God is unfair. But instead, those are the times that we need to remember that our God is sovereign and he will make a way. He is able to turn it around. He is able to bring good out of bad situations. I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And this is the Apostle Paul when he has been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And he says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. See, if we would trust God, who knows how some bad things might turn out. He says, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
You see, it was the fact that Paul was being persecuted so terribly that God was able to get the word out that much faster. And Paul himself spoke to kings and even was able to share the gospel with Caesar's household. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. We just need to learn to trust him. And the apostle Paul, though it was a hard situation, he had great joy in that. It was victory to him. He was right where God wanted him to be. And I'm just telling you that too often we're so short-sighted about it. Instead, we need to trust the Lord and know that he is able to bring us through that dark place. He's able to turn it around. He's able to make something good out of that situation. So the next time that you're in a circumstance that wasn't your first choice. I mean, you know, you're sitting at the doctor's office and you're waiting for an hour and a half. Maybe God has a reason. Maybe there's somebody you're supposed to talk to. Maybe you've just been running around like a chicken with your head cut off and this is the only way God could get you to sit still for a little bit. Car trouble. Nothing good could possibly come out of it. Yes, it can. You just don't know what our God might can do if we would just allow Him to be Lord in those situations instead of getting mad. He's in control. And if we really know that, we don't have to be anxious about life. Love this verse, Psalm 46 and 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now, that tells me something. I'm not. You're not. He says, be still and know I am God. He really is God. And sometimes we just need to chill. We need to be still and just know he's God. Yes, we're supposed to believe. Yes, there are things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to obey. But you see, we need this rest in our soul that we understand that we can be still and just know that God is God, that He's moving and working. He's doing what we can't do. With God, all things are possible. He is a sovereign God. And we don't have to have it all figured out. We can trust Him. We need to have absolute confidence in the Lord no matter what is going on in our life because He is the sovereign Lord. Most of the time when the wheels come off in our life, it's because we're doing things our way instead of submitting to His Lordship. But when we serve Him with a whole heart, you know, when we really love God, He just causes things to work out for our good. You know, when I say when we really love God, I'm talking about the the biblical way, not the way the world's, you know, not that bumper sticker thing, I love Jesus, everybody loves Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like what Jesus said in John chapter 14 when he said, you know the one that loves me because he obeys me. The one that loves me keeps my word. I'm talking about that kind of love. And you see, when we really love God like that, when we allow Him to be King and Lord in our life, we love Him that way. Oh, there's some powerful things that the Bible says about that. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. That's you. If you're a child of God, you've been called according to His purpose. 
But if we love him, listen, he's able, he's the sovereign ruler of the universe. He's able to work all things together for our good. I don't understand that. I don't have to. My God is that big. He can do anything. And he can take the attack of Satan, the ugly things that people do, and turn it for good somehow. Let me give you the greatest example of that in all of history. The powers of darkness incited evil men to crucify the Lord of glory. Boy, did they mess up. It was their ultimate and absolute defeat to crucify the Lord Jesus because he came out of that grave. I'm just telling you, our God is able to turn it around no matter how it looks. He is the sovereign God of the universe. And you can trust him in your life. Because he is a sovereign God, we need to know that our prayers are so powerful. All things are possible to him who believes. We're praying to the God of the universe who can do absolutely anything. He has the power, the authority to make it happen. And when we realize how big our God is, it ought to inspire us to pray big Prayers. Prayer changes things because the Almighty responds to prayers prayed in faith. Some people say, well, if, since God is sovereign, that just means that He's going to do what He's going to do no matter what we do. That is not in the Bible. Right. What is in the Bible is that when we pray in faith, God answers. There's a great example in Mark 11:24. He says, "I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray and believe you receive, you will have them." God answers prayer. This is the way. I told you he does whatever he pleases. This is what pleases him. This is the way that he has chosen to work. That when his people pray in faith, he moves. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. See, faith pleases God. And he wants us to pray, and then he moves. Even when we're talking about the kingdom coming. How does that happen? Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not automatic. And those are not flowery, pretty words that you just say just to be religious. He was telling us this is how we're supposed to pray. So we pray for His rule and reign to come. We pray that His will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. And when we pray like that and we pray in faith, all that is so powerful because God answers those prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. See, we're not trying to twist God's arm and get Him to do something He doesn't want to do. We're asking Him to do His will. And I want you to know that His will is good. I want you to know that when you're praying according to the will of God, that's a powerful, wonderful thing. If you don't know what the will of God is, I'm just telling you, you start using the Bible. 
Start, start reading the Scripture. Start praying the Scripture. Start praying in line with the Word of God. This is His written will. It shows you so much of what the will of God is and what He wants to do in the earth. And if you read the Bible and you begin to pray in line with the Scripture instead of just praying, you know, well, I want this and I want that. you got to have a promise. you got to have a, a word to stand on. you got to know that it's God's will for you to be able to have any confidence that he's going to hear you and answer your prayer. We're not just throwing a prayer up, a wish, a hope. No. We're praying in faith, praying in the will of God. And when we do that, praying to the sovereign Lord, I'm telling you, that is so powerful, most powerful thing we ever do in this world. Because he is sovereign, we need to always stay humble. He is the sovereign Lord of the universe. We need to humble ourselves before Him. It is foolish and arrogant men that would question a sovereign Lord. Foolish and arrogant to think that we on our own accomplish anything. But instead we give the glory to God for everything. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had become very arrogant. He was the king of Babylon But he became so arrogant that he began to brag about what he had accomplished. He said, it's not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. He thought it was all about him. He thought he was really something. And I'm not going to read it all to you this morning, but the prophecy was and the word that came true was that he became like an animal. He ate out in the field like a beast of the field. And the Bible tells us that seven times, seven years passed. And it says this, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. And he gives it to whomever he chooses. At the end of the time, Nebuchadnezzar said he lifted his eyes. I'm in verse 34 of Daniel 4. He lifted his eyes and he says, My understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? He answers to no one. We all answer to somebody. We all need accountability. But there is no one above Him. There is no one who is His equal. I'm glad that he exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. Some people want to question God and challenge him, but I want to tell you that's the wrong way to approach the sovereign Lord. Amen. No, we approach him in humility. Nebuchadnezzar goes on and he says, At the same time my reason returned to me for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me, and I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. God restored him, but did he ever have a different attitude? 
Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. We should live our lives humbly before God, acknowledging that he is the sovereign Lord of the universe. Pride will get you in a place where you're going to have to learn some things the hard way. Sometimes people still don't learn. Nebuchadnezzar did. But our God is always working behind the scenes. He's always moving. He's always blessing. And I just want to encourage you this morning that He, the sovereign God, He loves you. He's for you. But He leaves it up to you to choose to make Him your Lord. I want to remind you, it is not just enough to to call Him Lord. It is when you allow Him to be the ruler of your life. You let Him determine what you're going to do, your steps, what you're going to say. You allow Him to truly be Lord. A lot of people just go through life just disregarding the Lord. Many times, even believers make choices just doing what they really want instead of what God wants. And for now, it is our choice. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us that Jesus has been highly exalted and given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, listen, of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. I think that gets everybody. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a day when, like it or not, they're going to bow to the name of Jesus and they're going to confess Him as Lord. He will rule absolutely. He will establish an eternal kingdom and He will rule and reign forever. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ and He shall reign forever and ever. I want to just close with a little, well, portion of a poem, not the whole thing, but just a portion of it. It just, well, it's straight from Scripture. Almost every phrase is taken from Scripture. But it says, He is the sovereign King of glory, and the earth is His footstool. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He speaks worlds into existence and then spins them out in space. He gives orders to the morning and shows the dawn its place. He prophesies the future, then orders it fulfilled. He feeds the beast of the field from the palm of his hand. He watches while they bear their young and teaches them to stand. He gives the seas their boundaries and hides his creatures deep. He teaches eagles how to fly and nest upon the steep. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on wings of wind. He champions the victim and brings proud men to end. He's the sovereign Lord, whoever you have perceived him to be, you might aim a little higher. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I want our prayer partners to come. Oh, Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to see. Help us to understand how awesome you are, how amazing you are. Father, I just pray that our faith might rise to a new level as we behold the sovereign Lord mighty God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, especially, Lord, for those who this morning have realized they've been doing it their way. Lord, I pray for those that know that there's some part of their heart, some area of their life 
that they've withheld from you. I pray that this morning they would allow you to be king of every part of their heart, every part of their life. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that we as your people will go out into this world with such great boldness, knowing that our God is sovereign, that you are moving and working in our lives. Lord, that we would have such great confidence to trust you through every circumstance of life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment. And I just encourage you to come for prayer. Listen, if if God is dealing with your heart, if you know there's some things that need to change, maybe you need an attitude change in your heart, whatever it might be. Or if you've come today with a need on your heart, you're welcome to come. We'd be glad to pray with you. Just let God have His way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Greater than-